God's like, I want you to know that I have called you to be holy as I am holy, but ultimately I'm the one who makes you holy. What's up? What's up, incredible people? I love you so much. You matter. Your life is significant. You were made for such a time as this, and I am just so grateful that you're here and grateful to be a part of your life via this podcast. Welcome to the Have You Heard podcast. I'm your host, Emma Mae McDaniel, and this is part four of the four-part series of us going through Psalm 1. And today, we are talking about the gospel. We are talking about the difference between the righteous and the wicked as we are wrapping up Psalm 1, and I am so excited about it. So friends, faith comes by hearing, so grab your headphones and let's get into the word. So as we have started off every episode of this Psalm 1 series, I just think it's so fitting to read through the whole psalm to know the context of it. It's so good. So that's how we're going to start off. If you have your Bibles and want to read along, um, please do. But if not, just let this bring so much peace and encouragement over your heart as it is the Word of God. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. This is what we're going to be talking about today. But are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So I'm just going to read that one more time. Verses 4 through 6 is what we're going to be honing in on today. And it's so good. And I think that it's so cool. Like this is something that you could totally memorize and hide in your heart and learn. And as we talked about two weeks ago, meditate on reflecting on it deeply, just six verses. And today we're honing in on just three verses. So verses four through six, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Okay. So I want to break this down a little bit. We just read verse four, the wicked, That sounds kind of extreme. I feel like a lot of us would probably hear that word and automatically consider ourselves not to be a part of that group, not to put ourselves underneath that description because it just sounds so out there. But to bring just some clarity and practicality to what that actually means, wicked is the godless, those who don't walk in relationship with God, those who are separated from God, those who are going their own way, living in sin, don't know God, don't love God, the wicked. And so I think something really important to hone in on here is that all of us were in that description. All of us were in that category. And some of you listening, this may be so harsh to hear, but some of you listening, you may not know God. And it may sound offensive for that word to be described as someone who actually like is not walking with God. But I think it's so important for us to realize the gravity of our sin 
and how it does separate us from God. And I want to read in Ephesians 2 with you guys. So Ephesians 2, chapters, verses 1 through 3, Paul says this. He's speaking to the church here. So he's speaking to believers. He says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the power of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who disobey God. All of us. That's pretty powerful, y'all. All of us. Not just some of us, every single one of us, you and me, not just those who have a reputation of like they party every weekend and get drunk and like cheat on their spouse and like all of these things that and steal and murder, like all of these things that you could think of that are like, oh, now that's extreme. Like that's, that's for that crew. No, I'm, I'm saying every single human ever, all of us have what? All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclination of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. All of us. It's Romans 3.23. For all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's so, so powerful. And I, I'm really wanting to sit here with you in this because if we are not aware of how desperately we are in need of a Savior, then we will never grasp the power of exactly what Jesus did for us and be grateful for what he offers us. If we don't think we need salvation, why on earth would we go to Jesus as our savior? If we don't think we need salvation, why on earth would we be grateful for God making a way for us to be saved? Being aware of our depravity, aware of our wickedness, aware of how we were all of us subject to the wrath, to the anger of God because he is holy and good and perfect, made us to be in relationship with him, but we went our own way, thought our way was better, thought he was holding out on us. So we disobeyed him, going against his way, falling short of his glory. And because of our sin, our uncleanliness, going our own way, we were separated from a relationship with God. And we'll get more into this later, but I just want to sit there for a hot second. Separated from life, separated from our creator, separated from, from the very one who we were made to know and be with and be filled with and walk with, the very one we were made by. We were all once dead in our trespasses and our sins. All of us. So we automatically, as we start on Psalm 1 verse 4, we step into a contrast because verses 1 through 3 are talking about the righteous person, the person who is blessed based on like 
delighting in God, the person who is blessed because they are walking with God, they are seeking God, and it's showing up in how they're choosing their friends. It's showing up in their decision to delight and meditate on the word of God. And they are like a tree that is planted by streams of water. Their fruit yields in its season. Their leaves never wither. Everything that they do prospers. And then today, this week, we are stepping into a contrast. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff. Another version says, therefore, the there, it says the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. And if you're like me, you may not exactly know what chaff is. And so I had to look it up because I was like, this is such a repetitive theme in scripture. And I think we could grasp a better idea of what God is telling us here if we understood the picture that he's painting for us. So chaff, I looked this up on um, Got Questions. I love Got Questions. I ask questions in that all the time. Um, But chaff is the loose outer covering on wheat and other grains that must be separated in the threshing and winnowing process of harvesting grain. So this is a very common understanding in the Bible days. So like whenever the psalmist was writing this, anyone who read it, the psalmist writing it knew exactly what they were talking about because going to the threshing floor to harvest the grain, to prepare the wheat. That was their normalcy. Okay, so the winnowing process is when grain was tossed in the air and chaff would blow away by the wind. The chaff is basically like, it's the unedible part of the grain and it's like not sturdy. So like the good grain would fall to the floor after they would throw it up in the air. And the chaff, which was like kind of the worthless part of the grain, it would be blown by the wind. Um... Yeah, so it says, what I looked up, it says that it would be blown away by the wind or sometimes would be burnt as fuel. So that's what the kind of the picture here of what chaff is. They're like worthless chaff, chaff that the wind drives away. Verse 5, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Another version that that I love says they will be... I don't, this is very sad, but I I love the word of God and I believe we can learn so much from this today. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Talking about the wicked, talking about those who do not know God, resist God, go their own way, don't have relationship with him. And I say that I'm so encouraged by this and I'm so burdened by this all at the same time. I'm encouraged as a believer in Jesus Christ. Because we read in Romans 8, 1, that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise God that I am no longer bound by, defined by the sin that I have committed. In the eyes of the Father, I He sees the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees a beloved daughter sealed in His Spirit. He no longer sees my sin. Like, confess your sin to the Father and He is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Like, my the presence of my God is a safe place. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so, I say that I'm encouraged because praise be to God that through Jesus Christ, I can now have a relationship with my Father. 
I am set free from the power of sin and death. I am filled with his spirit. I can be like a tree that bears fruit, that doesn't wither. Like I, I can I can be blessed and I can be what we're about to go into righteous, not by my own doing, but by the doing of my gracious Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm also reading this and I'm so burdened because there it is just facts that there are people who fill this earth that don't know Jesus Christ as their personal friend, their personal savior, and their personal Lord. They don't. And I think that there is this belief going around that hell is not a real place. That it's not a real thing. That those who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and have not been forgiven of their sins... Like, they actually have nothing to worry about, and it's not really that big of a deal. And I, I'm just speaking from the scriptures that that is not the case. Jesus spoke about hell more than he did heaven. Because it's a, it's a, real, it's a real place. And there is a reason that we were in need of a Savior. Jesus came. And I love, I, this is so, a verse that even many non-believers may know, but I think sometimes because it is so well-known, we don't hear, we grow a little numb to how powerful this actually is, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But you know what that also tells me? That those who don't believe in him will perish will be forever separated from him. We'll be forever separated from hope, from light, from peace, from the presence of a good and gracious, holy, almighty God. And so I want to encourage those who are listening that may not know Jesus. And I just want you to know that he loves you so much. God demonstrated his perfect love for you and that while you still, like Ephesians 2 says, you still not calling you out in a you're the only one kind of way, but calling you out as I was there too. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But while you personally chose to disobey him and go your own way, he demonstrated his perfect love for you by sending his son Jesus who died for you. And they're like, why did he have to die for me? Because the wages of our sin is death, but the free gift of eternal life is found in Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus came and died the death that we all deserve because of our sin. He was buried and three days later he rose from the grave, defeating death, defeating hell, defeating the grave, so that anyone who believes in him, yes, we may die this physical death, but spiritually we are alive forevermore. That is available to you today. You were made for a relationship with him and the peace, the confidence that lasts, the joy, the hope, the purpose that you are craving is found in the very one who made you, who loves you so much. And if you confess, that just means to state, like I'm just making it known. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus, you are my Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Like I mentioned earlier, you confess your sins to him. 
He is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Praise be to God. So I say that I'm burdened because those of you who are listening, who do know God, y'all, we are on a mission. We are on a mission. I I just want to encourage us, like, and not this, like, fluffy kind of inspirational moment where, like, it dies off in two days. This is, like, encouragement that hypes us up in a longevity kind of way because it is coming from the mouth of God himself that you are the light of the world, a city built on a hill that cannot be hidden. So just as someone doesn't put a lamp in a house and cover it up by a bowl, they put it on its stand so it brings light to the whole house. I encourage you today to let your light so shine before all people so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I encourage you to go among all all people and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do all that God has commanded, knowing that God is with you to the very end of the age. Be comforted. All authority is given to him and he is with you. The harvest is plentiful, meaning there are many people who don't know who he is, but the workers are few. As ambassadors of Christ, God is making his, his appeal of reconciliation through us. What's that basically mean? He is declaring that he, Jesus, his son, is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to him except through Jesus. He is declaring that through our lives. We are his ambassadors, meaning we represent his heart to the world. I say this with such emphasis and such passion because... This is it. We're made to know him and make him known. The right time to do the right thing is right now. Let's live in a manner worthy of the calling that we have received. Walk in a manner worthy of the gospel because we aren't guaranteed life on earth tomorrow. Let's be compelled, friends, by the love of Christ. May this verse, (laughs) it's literally just one verse, y'all. May this verse encourage you and lead you to your knees to say, thank you, God, for saving my soul, but also let it burden you and compel you to go love those and share Jesus with those who do not yet know the saving power of Jesus Christ. And then we go on to read, Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. The version that we were reading, they will not, they will be condemned at the time of judgment. And sinners will have no place among the godly. In the ESV version, it says, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And then continuing on in verse 6, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly. I think what's so cool is that I think just like the wicked like how we can hear that and it's like, wait, how on, I I could never be under that description. That's just so extreme. That sounds so horrid. Like I know I've screwed up, but I'm not that bad. Just as we kind of went into that, I think it can be the same as righteous as well. The word righteous, it sounds so holy and it sounds just so 
elevated that it's almost hard to wrap our minds around the fact that like I could never be under that category either. And I find so much encouragement in this and I hope you do too that in 2 Corinthians 5.21 we read that he, he being Jesus, who knew no sin, meaning that he was perfect. He was tempted in every way, yet he never sinned. He never disobeyed God. He who knew no sin became sin. He took on all of our sin, all of our disobedience, all of our rebellion, all of our transgressions and iniquity. And he died on the cross because he was bearing the weight of our sin. He became He who knew no sin became our sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So that through faith in him, in the eyes of God, we are seen as righteous and holy and clean. As I said, this is not by our own doing. I want to continue to read in Ephesians 2 because, guys... It doesn't end after verse 3. It continues on, and it's so important that we know. Verse 4. So remember, the last thing that we read in Ephesians 2, verse 3, was, By our nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But verse 4, But God. But God. It is because of God that I have been made righteous, not because of anything I could have done to earn such a title earn such a a place but God is so rich in mercy what is mercy mercy is mean not being given what I deserve I deserve the wrath of God I deserve the anger of God I deserve to be eternally separated from God but he's so merciful that through faith in his son Jesus he's not giving me what I deserve and he loved us so much guys the God of the universe loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. It is only by God's grace that you are claimed righteous, that you can be a part of the congregation of the righteous. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Do you hear how it's like, but God, with Christ, because of Christ, in Christ. It's like, God's like, I want you to know that I have called you to be holy as I am holy, but ultimately I'm the one who makes you holy. It's like, God gets the glory and the credit and the honor because it is due unto him and him alone. Verse 7, so God can point to us in all future ages as example of his incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us. Did you hear that? You and I are examples of God's kindness and grace. Just think on that today. As shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Praise be to God. I've been so excited about this part of our time together because it's just so good. So 
the sinners can't be in the congregation of the righteous. And that literally goes to show that like the sinners and the wicked, it's the same group of people that the psalmist is talking about. And we were all in that crew. We were all disobedient to God, going our own way, deserving of God's wrath, subject to his anger. And, but the God in his mercy and love that is so rich and abundant, he sent Jesus and through faith in Jesus, those who were once wicked are now counted righteous. And there is going to come a day where Jesus comes back and we stand before him and Our name is either written in the book of life of those who put their faith in Jesus or it's not. And so I want to just make this so clear that this isn't like those who made the least amount of mistakes and those who made the most. Those who attended church the most and those who attended church the least. Those who had the most memorized scripture and those who had the least. Those who went out and partied on the weekends and those who didn't. That's not what this is, friends. This is nothing that we can boast about in our own doing. This is simply those who put their hope and confidence in Jesus Christ and those who didn't. The end of verse 6, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. He watches over their path. He keeps you He's a safe place. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower and those who run to him find safety. Those who fix their thoughts on him find perfect peace. God, who is the source of hope, he fills us with all joy and peace as we put our trust in him and we abound with confident hope through the power of his spirit. Praise be to God. I'm just going to read our verses today one more time. The wicked are not so, in comparison to the blessed person who's like a tree. It says, they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You are loved by God. And he demonstrated his perfect love for you and that while you disobeyed him, he sent his one and only son Jesus to die for you and rise again so that through him you shall never perish, but you shall be in the congregation of his presence forever. And that is available to you today. And if you already know that saving power of Jesus Christ, I pray that today you are so encouraged to get on your knees and say, thank you, God, and also live your life in a way of thank you, God, and I'm going to make sure I do everything I can to let as many people as possible know that this ability to forever live in the presence of God and be saved is available to them through too, through Jesus Christ. Friends, I love you so much and I hope that the rest of your week is absolutely incredible. One last thing I wanted to leave you with, it just hit me. A big contrast that we, or not a big contrast, a big theme that we see in Psalm 1 is the contrast between the righteous and the wicked, those who walk with God and those who don't. And so I just wanted to leave this this one statement. Don't be afraid to be different. People are going to walk in the counsel of the wicked. People are going to stand in the way that sinners take, and people are going to sit in the company of mockers. People are going to walk against God. And it's going to be different. 
It's going to stand out. It's not going to be normal. It's not going to be with the grain for you to go with God. But don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of salvation for all who believe. Don't be afraid to be different. I love y'all. I'll see you next week.